0: Before we get into the show, let me quickly tell you about a new podcast I've discovered. Truth, Lies and Workplace Culture is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. What's so exciting for me is that this show is hosted by husband and wife team, Al and Leanne Elliott, who are fellow Monks. Yeah, they are fellow Mancunians. We are from the same city. And Leanne and I realized we actually at one point lived in the exact same area. What a small world. So in their podcast, Al and Leanne are dispelling myths, imparting wisdom and answering all your questions about finding, keeping and motivating great people. Leanne's a business psychologist and Al has led and owned multiple businesses over the past 20 years. Together, they blend theory and practice to help business owners and leaders simplify consumer psychology. Now, as a copywriter who loves figuring out what makes people tick and what makes them buy, I really enjoyed their episode with Phil Agnew. It's called what makes your team say yes exploring the psychology of influence go check it out listen to truth lies and workplace culture wherever you get your podcasts do you remember when harry and megan got married of course you remember we all love a royal wedding Just 200 invited guests, unseen by the hundreds of millions who watched a ceremony around the world. bride looking radiant. And there is the kiss that everyone was hoping for and waiting for. Wow, that was a service in the heart, wasn't it? Well, (laughs) you took the words right out of my mouth and what an exquisite... Back then, while the world was celebrating their fairy tale royal romance, I was anything but happy working full-time for a charity. Every morning, I'd wake up, take my then two-year-old son to nursery and start the two-hour round trip to work. As soon as the clock hit 6pm, I'd rush out the office door and drive straight home so I could see my son before he fell asleep for the night. Some days, I'd make it in time, but most days, I wouldn't. By the time I got home, he'd be curled up on the couch, fast asleep, where he'd been waiting for me. I'd pick up his sleeping body and hold him gently as I held back tears. I was depressed overworked, and worst of all, I felt like a bad mother. It was around this time that someone on LinkedIn introduced me to Hot Copy, a podcast that teaches copywriters how to run their own copywriting business. The co-host of that show was a vibrant, tattoo-sporting, Doctor Who-loving Australian mother of two called Belinda Weaver. After binging 81 episodes straight, I finally felt ready to do what I'd always thought was impossible, start my own business, one that was flexible and family-friendly and that worked around my desperate want to be a more present mother. On Friday 31st of August 2018, I worked my last day at the charity. Three days later, on the Monday, I was officially a business owner working with my first client. And within a couple of months, Belinda Weaver became the first of my many business coaches. I chose her because as a mother of young kids herself, she understood the juggle between business and family life, the mama guilt that plagues every mother I know, and the perpetual struggle to do it all.
1: Yes, I am doing it all. Look at me. Isn't it amazing? But... The flip side of that is crying in the shower, crying on the kitchen floor with a baby and a toddler like hitting me with things, <laughs> my husband coming home going, what is happening?
0: Like, I don't know. On today's show, I'm speaking to Belinda Weaver, copy coach and mentor and co-host of the Hot Copy podcast about how not being fast enough to take action has slowed down her business growth but it's also the reason she's become hugely successful as one of the most well-known copy coaches in the
1: online business world. You don't own ideas and you cannot be resentful that other people execute an idea that you have had and not taken action on. That's not how it works, but it's tough when you go, I wanted to do that. I had that idea and now other people are doing it. Welcome to Mistakes That Made Me, the
0: podcast that asks extraordinary business owners to share their biggest business mistake so you know what not to do on your road to success. My name's Iman Ismael, and I'm an email strategist and copywriter for online business owners and e-commerce brands. I'm a podcast lover, a pizza binger, a proud mama of two... And I have this radical idea that if maybe us business owners were a little less guarded and a lot more open about the mistakes we've made, we could help each other grow a business that brings us more joy and less regret. A little trigger warning miscarriage and IVF does come up in this conversation. So if that's something you don't want to hear about right now, it might be best to listen in another time. Belinda, you help aspiring and working copywriters create businesses they love to work in. And that is exactly what you helped me to do. Now, you've become one of the very first people that copywriters recommend to each other when they want to grow their business. You're one of the people to learn from in our industry. So take me through the journey of getting to that place.
1: Well, I found out about copywriting in 2009. I was working in a marketing job. And so I was really open to what the next opportunity was thinking want to start a family do i want to join another corporate job like what does this look like and i've only ever had a corporate kind of background so freelancing running my own business was not even on my list of possible things and when i found out about copywriting it definitely became a matter of how not if and it has changed my life in such a good way i've discovered That I'm capable of so much more than I ever thought was possible. And it's been an amazing experience. But, you know, to get to your question about how do I, how have I got to a point where people are recommending me and and people know me? And I think the answer is consistency. And I think people overlook the power of just consistently showing up. So in those first few years, I was like, I'm a threat to no one because all these people. That I'm following on Twitter, you know, Australian copywriters that felt like such a big deal. I remember when someone I knew tweeted back to me and I was like, oh my God, (laughs) they just replied to my tweet. And so I just set myself up for learning as much as possible and trying to do the best work I could do with the knowledge that I had because I didn't know how to run a business. So it was like, Oh my gosh. I have to do all these adult things, like make sure my business tax is on, on time. And I have to do my books and I have to market myself. And it was just a lot to take on, but I was so excited by it that I was like, I'm just going to do the best I can with the information that I had. And that's probably when I set up a consistent marketing routine. I was like, I'm just going to keep showing up, even though I don't feel like I know what I'm doing. I'm going to look like I know a bit more than I do. And then I'm going to figure it out as I go along. And what I did is I set up a weekly, after about a year of regular social media, kind of just posting out. I was like, all right, I think I need to start a blog. So I did a blog. And so this is all about content creation, but I wrote a blog every week. And now some people like, oh, I have to wait till I'm inspired. I have to wait. And this this is a little spoiler for what we're going to talk about for the rest. I have to, you know, wait until I know more. I was like, I'm just going to write something every week, Mm -hmm. whether I think I'm ready or not. And I did the same with social media and that kind of consistent effort is how you stay top of mind. It's how people get to know you. It gives you a lot of content to repurpose, which has served me in all the years that have followed, but showing up in groups, showing up answering questions showing up for networking sessions, showing up with content, just consistently showing up every single week has helped me get to a point where, well, to be honest, I'm surprised when people know who I am because that's the life behind the computer. Are you like, mm-hmm. oh, what? Oh, you read that? Oh, great. <laughs> that's amazing. But just consistently showing up and taking care of the low hanging fruit of marketing, of sharing your proofs, and your testimonials, and what you do, and how you solve problems. It's not complicated stuff. It's just consistency. And doing that each and every week, month, and year, it's a slow spread that Mm -hmm. pays off. How many years have you been in this business? Well, I was working full-time for six months while I was building Copyright Matters Mm -hmm. to a point where I felt you know what, if I had more time, I could get more clients. Yeah. So I went full time in early 2010, which makes it 12 years now. Is it 12 years? Yeah, that's right. (laughs)
0: Wow. Wow. That's amazing. The reason I ask is because when I Googled your name in preparation for this interview, it is just pages upon pages of videos, blog posts, workshops, webinars, And so you talk about consistency and you talk about that slow burn, that's what happens when you are consistent for that long. If I Google anything that is specific to running a copywriting business, I'm sure to see one of your pieces of content come up. And it was amazing to see.
1: It really is an amazing lesson in the art of consistency. So one thing I want to jump in real quick and add is that you do not have to create content for 12 years in order to get to where you want to go. Mm -hmm. You can leap to the top of the ladder. And, you know, we're going to dig into this more, but you can be absolutely strategic with the things that you do and shortcut your journey. But consistent effort is what will help you play the long game and help you get those results. And so I think, never think you have to Climb each rung of the ladder and do years and years of work in order to get where you want to go, mm-hmm. but never discount the benefit of just showing up
0: regularly well, that's hopeful because for me because i do I do not write blog posts every week, so that's good to know <laughs> and just to add some context to this, and Belinda will probably cringe as I say this, but Belinda is a celebrity within the copywriting world no 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 No. see yep there's the cringe (laughs) there's the cringe and so one of the first times that we spoke i was like oh my god i'm getting on a call with the belinda weaver oh dear. my god I was you know seriously I was I was that nervous and I know that you still you still have that effect on people because you are the Belinda Weaver so as much as Belinda is extremely humble and cringes at me saying she's a celebrity in the copywriting world like I want to give you context for the kind of success and that we're talking about and the kind of reputation that you've created for yourself but I want to talk about yes you are amazing at being consistent and keeping consistent in your business, but you also have a lot going on at home. You have a lot that could potentially stop you from being as consistent consistent. as you are. So tell us a little bit about your home situation.
1: Yeah. So I have two daughters who are now five and eight, but I didn't have kids when I started my business. So Mm -hmm. I had the experience of having all the time in the world to devote to this new obsession that I had. And then by 2014, my first daughter was born and we moved to the States as well. So that's when I had that first screeching halt of, yeah, you don't have as much time as you had before. And then three years later, second daughter. So that's the whole new experience of, yeah, that time you think you have now, you, you have less time now. And now you have two humans to juggle. And this will, you know, obviously not the only person who does this. This is a very common thing in the copywriting world as a lot of mums, a lot of parents trying to grow their business and manage their ambition and their drive and their grit and determination with the time confetti that they have available. So, so this year in 2022, I will, in August, I will have two kids at school, (gasps) which, Feels like the promised land, <laughs> but you That's know so I've tasty. had been nursing babies on coaching calls and had, um, and I'm still having interruptions on calls where I'm I'm on a coaching call in my confident copywriting group or in my copywriting program, in the incubator, and I'm fixing dolls' heads or I'm getting things dressed or I've or I have to hit pause because it sounds like someone's going to kill someone else <laughs> and it's you know. I never try and hide that on the calls and within my groups because that's just life of what's happening. That was one of the
0: things that attracted me to you and joining your group specifically because you didn't hide any of those things. And I was amazed that you had this on show like it was, it, was and it wasn't a big deal no 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 but it wasn't a big deal it was like this yeah. is real life I'm not going to stress myself out by trying to hide it Um, th- it is what it is and you can join my community and accept that or I'm not the person for you and this community is not the community for you and that it mm-hmm. gave me permission to stop pretending like that I didn't have a kid who was going to yeah. come in sometimes and interrupts and that kind of thing absolutely
1: Absolutely. And for me, it was out of necessity because, you know, my husband was going to an office, Mm -hmm. leave early in the morning, come back in the evening. I had no choice. And so early on, I had a lot of friction where I was like, oh, I have to pretend to be this super professional person, but also to be the super mom who's managing it all and makes it look smooth and easy. And it's just not real or life, so I had to hit a breaking point where I was like, you know what, I have some choices here. And who doesn't love a little kid coming in and being adorable on a call? So there's ways that you can absolutely make it work. But, I mean, the hardest parts have been doing things like Facebook Lives and going, I just have to go and sort something out.
0: I've heard you talk about your annoyance with the term superwoman and that <laughs> yes. yeah that you feel like it's it's really toxic which i totally agree with tell me a little bit more about that
1: well it's just i think especially in the early years babies are hard work i need a lot is, and yeah. especially with two i think it was probably really came in with two kids taking one to school and having a baby nursing trying to run meetings running my business i know A lot of people don't ask me what I do because I'm just mum, like in the school playground. When I moved to America, no one asked me about my work for the first two and a half years because when you're carrying a baby, that's all people ask about. And so I got used to my work being this kind of hidden, super hectic part of my life, but I was always running in late to things just trying to juggle it all. Yeah. I, I always use the analogy of spinning plates, just spinning as many plates as possible and trying to keep it all up. And I would have people regularly say, oh, I don't know how you do it all. People who are in a work context in my computer in communities and stuff like that, like, oh, wow, you have young kids. I don't know how you do it all. But also friends who knew what I was juggling behind the scenes go, you're amazing. And it sounds really nice. Pe- like, people listening would be like, why are you? hating on those compliments. But the thing is, I grew up with a mum who did it all. She worked, she cooked, she was social as hell, she ran clubs, she was my brownie leader. So I grew up watching a mum be amazing at everything and do it all. And so I have that in my head. But then I also have people going, you are superwoman, I don't know how you do it all. And it it brings up this inner desire to kind of beat my chest and go, yes, I am doing it all. Look at me. Isn't it amazing? But the flip side of that is crying in the shower, crying on the kitchen floor with a baby and a toddler, like hitting me with things. (laughs) My husband coming home going, what is happening? I don't know. And realizing that lurching from breakdown to breakdown while having a veneer of doing it all is not a good way to live and as the girls have got older that's when I've really started making decisions I talk a lot about enjoying the journey of my work now but that's life as well I I want to stop lurching between stressful situations want to have a more even keel and that means I have to prioritise and I have to stop trying to do everything and I have to stop saying yes, and to start saying no, and I have to accept the messiness and just walk away from it and be mm-hmm. okay with it.
0: I had a miscarriage the first time I was ever pregnant. And so by the time I had my second pregnancy, which is my first son, he was very wanted Extremely wanted, and I was waiting for him to come. Right, so that for me added a layer of pressure on. I think the expectations that I had for myself around being the perfect mom. I don't even know what that means. I don't know what being Mm. perfect mother means, but I had that expectation for myself. Especially when I quit my full time job, started my new business. Like I was starting this business so that I could be a more present mother. I know that you went through IVF to have your children. And I wonder if you experienced that too, where that added a layer of, yeah, Yeah. a layer
1: of pressure. 100%. Like, we haven't been able to conceive naturally, so we're going to go through this other process, which I'm grateful worked really well the first time. But it's not easy. and It's not cheap. So what happened then was the friction of going, oh, this is nice and everything, but it's not my whole life. Being a mum is mm. not my whole life. And I've got this obsession with copywriting and my business that is showing me, I mentioned that I'm more capable than I ever thought I was. And so there's really conflicting emotions between like, oh, I work so hard to get this baby. But I also work so hard to get this business. And I'm kind of a little bit resentful that I don't, I don't get to spend all my time with it. And that's, that's really difficult. When I always thought I'd be the mum, it's like, oh, we're going to sit down and we're going to play for hours. And then I was like, very quickly went, apparently I'm not that mum. I am not that mum at all. And I'm okay with that. (laughs) But it comes with a lot of emotional stuff to work through when you're like, oh, I I don't want to spend all my time with you. As a, baby or even a toddler. You know, I I want to do other things. And should I feel bad about that? I'm not sure. You know, that was the question I would ask myself a lot. Like, is there something wrong with me? Am I being a bad mother because I'm not sitting down and playing Barbies for four or five hours straight? The answer is no, by the way. The answer is very much no. I'm, I'm
0: definitely experiencing that myself at the moment. You mentioned resentment, feeling resentful that you aren't able to work on the things that, you're, that you want to work on. Who
1: are you feeling resentment towards? Everyone, Iman. Everyone. No. <laughs> well, you know, in and I'm going to get really honest here. This is, you know, these are not nice things to acknowledge to yourself on a podcast. But I've been resentful to my husband because he would get to go and work in an office, and we're in Silicon Valley, so some of these tech companies are really nice offices. <laughs> Sounds more like a holiday, um, right? <laughs> like yeah, having a lot oh, of fun Facebook at work. Has an arcade and free bicycles and a New York Smokehouse. Great, <laughs> good for you. I had a cheese stick today, but so there's that. And resentful that my kids needed me so much that. I felt like they were stopping me from doing the things that I wanted to do in my business, in my work. Now, I also recognize that I was developing very strong workaholic tendencies, Mm -hmm. which is not healthy. So now I embrace the chance that I get to be with my children away from my business because I know that is good for me. I embrace the opportunities to be away from my business, not just with my children, but You know, I recognize it as a good thing, but I own up to being resentful that I would have to go to places, to playgrounds, to look after kids when they need it, like they can't just look after themselves. My mind would be on my work. And I found that friction really hard because it's like, welcome, mum guilt. You're a terrible human being. You should love this time.
0: Yeah, I totally understand. And one of the things that I always feel like is, um, certainly at this stage in my life where I have an older son who is six right now and, and then an eight month old. I feel like when I'm being a great business owner, I can't also be a great mum or when I'm, or when the days that I'm a great mum, it's because I I haven't been a great business owner and I'm still trying mm-hmm. to find that balance where both feel good to me. Where what I don't feel like I have to sacrifice one for the other.
1: Yeah, I, I totally understand that. Where it's not one's off and one's on. Exactly. One's off in order for one to be on that you can have. It's that even keel. I'm looking for small steps forward where I get to be good enough and joyful enough all the time, or at least a lot of the time. That's my goal. That's what we're all working towards. But yeah, I, I hear that. Yeah. Well,
0: I want to move on to the reason we're here. So let's get under
1: that. Belinda, what is the mistake that made you? Taking too long. So it's a really, really short answer. Taking too long. And there's there's two parts to this. I take a long time to go from idea to execution. So it takes a long time for my brain to kind of make connections and join the dots and I like to mull and percolate and let ideas kind of bubble to the surface. And I think part of that reason that it takes a long time is my brain. Part of that reason is that I have a lot of other things vying for the processing power of my brain. So I wish I was faster to take action you know, where people go, I had an idea and by the afternoon there was a sales page up and now I've booked three people in and I haven't even built it yet. So taking too long in that respects, but there's also the phase of life two young kids. And even them both being at school, we go to parent participation schools. So I work in the classroom as well. We have a school job. It's the parents that keep it going. So it's not like wow. I I suddenly go to Having all this time, but when you have kids, it's an enforced slowdown, which was a bit of a shock to the system first. Because I was like, "I'll just work while the baby sleeps. It can't be that difficult, huh. right?" So then you add another kid, and there's even less time. So the, you know, that's what taking too long means for me. It means I have ideas I can't execute on because I simply don't have the time or capacity. But it's also I get annoyed with myself at how long it takes me to implement things that I have thought of. This is one that I really empathize
0: with (laughs) and feel because that's exactly where I am. That's exactly where I am at today. So give me an example of what this looks like in, in your life and business. Give me an example of a time where you've not been able to be as fast with something as you want to be.
1: Yeah, so right now, a Hot Copy Podcast, we're not creating anymore. I'm going to create a podcast that's my own, and I have an idea for it. I have an idea for the guests. I know what I want to talk about. I've got technical resources that can help and support me, but I do not have the capacity to do it. I have the not, I'm not the time, and so I cannot. I cannot. I have to keep repeating this to myself. I cannot add it to my calendar yet, but I will get to it. And it gives me more time to let the ideas
0: percolate. Yeah. How does that make you feel, knowing that you have this thing that you're super excited about and not being able to implement it right now? Annoyed. But I also know
1: that if I were to do it, it wouldn't be as good as it could be. And that other things, the quality of other things would be sacrificed because of that. And I'm not prepared to sacrifice those other things in order to create something new. I'm in a phase right now where I'm dialing things in. I want things to be working and ticking over and proven before I add new things to my calendar. And that's okay. Yeah, it it is.
0: It's funny because that happened to me with this podcast. So I, I had the idea for this podcast about a year and a half before I started recording. And I mean, I had the name, I had my wish list of guests, and of course you're on there. I knew what I wanted to do. Even a year ago, I'd had a conversation with my now podcast producer, Zuri Berry, who was amazing. I spoke to him in August 2021. I was heavily pregnant at the time, super frustrated that I wouldn't be able to do this thing that I desperately wanted to do because it felt like, like a creative passion project that, you know, I don't even know how this is gonna help My business, if it will at all, but if it does, that feels like a bonus because for me, this is a creative passion project. It was something that was burning inside me, and I needed Mm. to do it, and I needed to get it out. And not being able to do that was very difficult. And then finally got to the point where I was like, right, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to make space for this. I'm going to make it a priority because this is something that I, I really want to do. So I can so appreciate specifically it being a podcast that you want to do. I wonder if, how you feel watching other people with kids, without kids. It might be with kids who are older, they have more kind of freedom to do the things that they want. Or without kids, how do you feel watching other people
1: being able to maybe move at a pace that you're not able to? That leads into another example that I have actually because I think this is a good thing. Like I think it's good for me to have these conversations with myself and to let go of the baggage. Mm-hmm. Cause I talk about, you know, we talk about being resentful. You can't hold on to these. These are like, this is what I talk to my girls about. You carry these things, they become stones in your heart and they weigh you down. So, and this is, you know, a little insight into how I kind of live my life where I like, well, I have to deal with this. I have to process this because this has nothing to do with them. This is something I have to figure out. And, you know, in terms of, slow, slow percolation. I had the idea for a membership when I had the idea for my first course, which I launched in 2014. And so I was like, I know I'm going to have a course that teaches writing, and then I'm going to have a membership that teaches the business side of being a copywriter. But I did not launch that until 2018. And so I got to watch other people execute because it's not my idea. You don't own ideas and you cannot be resentful that other people execute an idea that you have had and not taken action on. You can't be resentful to people who have executed on an idea that you have also executed on. That's not how it works. But it's tough when you go, I wanted to do that. I had that idea. And now other people are doing it. So by the time I get to do it, I'm going to be behind the eight ball. But have to let it go. Because the truth is, if I had launched that membership before that time, I would not have been ready to do it well. And that's the big part of waiting too long is is if I execute too quickly, I worry that I will not be able to deliver on the promise and that it will be a terrible experience And that people, this is the fear, that people will go, well, that was a giant waste of money. That was terrible. And that's something I'm not prepared to risk, which is why I wait and why I tend to overdeliver, which are different things. But when I did actually launch Confident Copywriting, I wasn't entirely ready, but I had a plan and I had a program and I had a system. And I look back and Confident Copywriting has helped me become more confident in what I'm doing. But if I had launched it earlier, I wouldn't have been ready in the way that I was ready when I did it. You mentioned a... I
0: don't know if you said lack of confidence or fear of people saying, oh, I paid for this thing and it was a giant waste of my money. What other barriers are there to you executing these ideas? I know logistically there are some barriers Mm -hmm. but in logistics aside are there any other barriers that come up that stop you from executing on
1: things oh imposter syndrome huge huge like it's only this year that I have called myself a copy coach I've had confident copywriting since 2018 and in 2022 I actually called myself a copy coach (laughs) but you know, I'm I'm building in confidence in that area to own that name. And so, yeah, it's that who am I to do a thing? Why would people buy it? Can I actually deliver? It's going to be nowhere near as good as that thing, which has probably been going for five or 10 years because it's very easy for us to compare our messy half done idea back of house to someone's been doing it for 10 years. And mm-hmm. I'm absolutely not immune to that. But Since 2020, I've been working a lot on my mindset and been able to call those things out for what they are. There's also wanting to know all the things. Like I want to know, I want to be able to do it well. So I need to know all the things about how to do it. I'm not just going to slap it together and wing it. I do not wing it. I never wing it. (laughs) But there's the temptation to just learn a little bit more. And that's just perfectionism going, hey, 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 let's stay in the safe space because this might not work, but it also might work. Either way, we don't want to do it. You so it's all the things that a lot of people are the reasons we don't take action. I think a lot of people will be
0: surprised to hear you say that you suffer from imposter syndrome. And I think it's great to hear people that we really look up to Talking about experiencing feelings like that because it just it humanizes it and it normalizes it and it makes us all feel like okay this is a normal feeling. Do you ever do you think imposter syndrome ever goes away? Will we ever get no. to a stage where we don't experience it?
1: No. And I don't want people to be like, what? The truth is that if you never experience, ever ever experience imposter syndrome, you stopped growing. And you've stopped challenging yourself. I experience it every time I'm about to step up and out into a bigger space, whatever that means. Like whenever I'm peeking my toe out of my comfort zone. And I, for me, I call it the churn. You know, like you get to the bottom of the barrel, all this stuff churns up, all those limiting beliefs, all that, all the voices and the perfectionism and the imposter syndrome, it all gets churned up in the muck. And then I do the thing. And my comfort zone settles out a little bit further. Everything settles down and I'm like, oh, yeah, I did that. I can do this. and means I can do the next thing. But every time I get to the edge of that and I'm about to expand my space again, it all comes up again. By working on my mindset, I'm able to go, oh, that's interesting. Oh, okay. I hear you. I hear the, the things I'm telling myself. And I'm more easily able to differentiate between the truth and the story that I'm telling myself and just know that, oh, like, oh, this is a couple of days where I'm going to feel really bad about myself and I'm probably going to be a little mean to myself, but I'm going to work through it and I know what this is. And this is not the truth.
0: Quick thing. As an email expert, I've analysed hundreds of emails and I see a lot of business owners making the same expensive mistakes in their email strategy and copy. I want to help you stay away from those mistakes, which is why I've created the Email Rules, my free 35-minute email class that teaches you how to boost your conversions and sales through email without making any costly mistakes. One business owner called Visma says it's the best email class she's ever taken. Thank you, Visma. Want to get your hands on it? It's totally free. Head over to emailcopycode.com slash email rules or hit the link in the show notes and you'll get instant access. Oh, and if you're not into writing your own emails and you'd rather me strategize and write your emails for you, get in touch. Let's make it happen. Let's talk about how it made you. How did this mistake make you?
1: The fact that when I when I do get to things, I'm ready. I'm ready to rock it. And they are better because of it. They're probably better than they needed to be. But taking a long time has helped me create programs and workshops and content and coaching that I am really proud of. And that offers genuine change for people, which is an idea I've taken a long time to accept. So all that, like all that complimentary stuff at the beginning, I'm like, "What? No! Who knows who I am? Like, I'm just here in my little corner trying to have an impact with the people I touch and connect with." And so, I know that sometimes taking a long time is frustrating for me for a lot of reasons, but I'm happier with the work that I deliver, and so. I know you shouldn't wait until it's you're 100% ready or that it's perfect, but I do not like winging it. As I mentioned, I want to know that I can confidently deliver on my promise. And I also know that failure is a chance to learn, but if I can reduce the chance of spectacular failure, I absolutely will. And what that means is sometimes people are like, "Wow, that was that's amazing. Like this is amazing. This is fantastic," which is wonderful, but it's because I took possibly longer than i needed to to implement it but it's also helping me accept that i will do things in the time that is right for me and that is helping me adjust my business and my expectations of myself and my expectations of my family so they all work together with a little more harmony because I want to do a lot of things, but I want to enjoy the journey of my work. I don't want to burn myself out getting there or racing to get there and then being miserable or putting myself last because I'm hungry for more. Something honestly has to give. And I remember in another conversation we had where I think you said your mum said you don't get to have it all. And that's a brutal truth where something has to give. But for me, it's how long it takes. Like I I want to have fun. I want to laugh. And it's this really sorry state when I'm like, I don't remember the last time I really, really, really laughed and had fun. And that I'm like, yeah, no, that's not how you live a life. So something's going to give. All right. Well, I'm going to take longer to get to the work stuff that I want to, because I want to allow more time for fun. That seems worth it
0: talking of fun I think you're gonna be really proud of me today today I bought a basketball because I've decided that I'm gonna get back into basketball I used to love it I used to absolutely love it as a like in my late teens and um, I took my son to a basketball class the other day and they had like a a parents joining kind of thing so I found myself playing basketball with these little kids and their parents. And all the parents were getting like super competitive, super serious We getting to, you know, pass to the kids, of course. <laughs> it was so much fun. I can't remember the last time I had that much fun. And I just thought, you know what? That was a few days ago. I thought, I'm going to get back into basketball. So I am going to sign up for some classes, some local classes. I am going to practice in the local basketball courts. And I'm going to have some fun. And I thought you might like to know that.
1: Yes, I am so chuffed with that because sometimes, like I personally find it difficult to do things that seem to lack a point. Like I'm going to learn to play the ukulele. I'm never going to be very, very good, but oh, I really want to do this. And that's enough. It's taken me a long time to want to do things just for the point of doing them, especially when I have to prioritise my time, like with military precision. Sometimes it can feel like a waste of time if there's no point to doing it. But fun is the point. And I've started making more decisions like that. And I think it's tremendous because that's how you have just a better life.
0: I I, I totally agree. One of the things you do now is you go hiking every other week, right? Yes.
1: Yep. Every second Sunday, four to five hours. Building up one of my goals is to be able to do like a 20 or 30 mile endure, like long hikes, maybe even overnighters. And wow. that was funny about that is for a long time, I would kind of wait for people to give me time off from my family responsibilities. This goes back to the superwoman thing, right? And I wasn't consciously doing it, but I was like, I want to go hiking. And my husband went, but it was more like a wine, like I want to go hiking. And I, I don't have time. my husband was like, so just go. What, what? We can, I can just go? And he's like, yeah, we'll be fine. And do you know what? They were. So I just declared it. I was like, right, I put it on the calendar. Sunday I'm going hiking. And I left the house and everyone was fine. So I was like, this is actually what I'm going to do every Sunday. And my husband, every second Sunday. And my husband's like, you know, you can go every Sunday if you want. <gasps> Again, what? So I like a lot of the ways we stop ourselves has nothing to do with what other people think or want or need. It's us writing their stories for them. But I love it because I don't take my ear pods. I choose different hikes based on what I need. So if I'm feeling like a lot of work's going on, it's in my head and I've got some problems to solve or think through or I want to have ideas, I do hikes with big open skies. If I'm feeling a little vulnerable and overworked and stressed and things like that, I choose hikes that are in like forests and that are really closed in. And I'm finding that they're getting out in nature really nourishes me. And I'm like, wow, I just feel really good, really good doing this kind of long, hard, beautiful hikes. And but it just don't wait for other people to say it's okay. Just declare that that's what you're going to do and then empower the people around you to look after themselves. Exactly. You've
0: spoken about this idea of not training the people around you to
1: depend on you. Mm -hmm. Walk me through that a little bit. So that again, like this is a piece of advice that I got from a couples counsellor who counsels entrepreneurial couples. And he said, if one of you is an entrepreneur, then you're an entrepreneurial couple and the dynamic is different. And it was wow. one of those, like I was in a, in a coaching group and he was a guest and, and they said, who wants to volunteer? And I was like, I'll get some, I'll get some free therapy, sure. <laughs> and it was really tough. It was a lot of hard truths. And he was basically helped me understand that while I thought I was helping my family by doing lots of things for them, because that's what mums do and that's how I show my love. He was like, you're actually just training them to need you and you're not letting them look after themselves in the way that they're fully capable of. I was like, damn. Wow. Wow. That is mind-blowing. really took that hit hard. I was like, you're right. And when I don't let them sort it out for themselves or do the things I'm asking them to do or letting them be part of the community of our house... I'm actually holding them back and I'm holding me back. I can't complain about no one doing things around the house. That's it's a common thing we often hear, like, I'm sick of this. Why do I have to do everything? No one's helping me. Well, I am actually not letting everyone, anyone help because I'm just doing it all. So why would people do housework when I'm doing it all? So we change the language in our house to go, this is a community job. And we are a community and everyone has their community jobs. And it's been fantastic. And sometimes that means I have to just let the mess happen and walk away from it and be okay with it. And choose to sit down for half an hour and read a book. I want to go back to what you said
0: about my mum my and what she told me and to just kind of delve into that a little bit deeper. So when my first son was probably under one, no, no, he wasn't. He was older because by this point I'd started my business. So he, he, he had to be at least two. And I was getting frustrated with not being able to run my business like I wanted to and also not be the mother that I wanted to because I'd built this business so that I could be more present for him. And yet I found myself busier than ever initially, which was insane to me. I was complaining about it one day and she just said, look, where you're at right now, you, you can't have it all. You can't have everything that you want in your career and have everything that you want at home with your son. Something's got to give. And that was the first time anyone had ever said that to me. Because before that, I'd always been fed this narrative that we can have it all and we can have everything that we want. And and we should aim I, for it as well. And we should aim for it. Exactly. And I'm thinking there are some people who are going to be frustrated by this part of the conversation potentially maybe but I felt like it was really important that my mom said that to me because immediately those expectations of reaching that standard fell from me when somebody told me that what you're aiming for
1: is impossible I felt relief. yes and it's it's right now it's not impossible in life like it's put that GPS setting in know where you're going But stop beating yourself up because you are working full time and mumming full time and looking after everyone else and trying to look after yourself and trying to have fun. And, you know, the expectations on women are impossible. What's that, you know, the line like work like you don't have children, parent like you don't have to work, Mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. It's really hard to process. And then we look at people in our industry. And I know I'm part of that, which is why I like to be really vocal of it. Women that we go, well, she's doing it and she's got two kids. So why do I find this so hard? And that's why I am love showing the difficult bits. Because that's, that's part of it and you have to know it's difficult. That's why I've also, I think the pandemic hit a lot of us in this way. I started going, wow, something's got to change significantly in how I approach my work and my life because I am not having enough fun. I am not putting myself first in the way that I want to. So I had to make some changes. Empower other people. Stop thinking I was selfish for wanting to do things for myself. And it's been amazing and I have enjoying the journey of my work a lot more. So that's become the big drum that I'm beating to help other people. Just be realistic so that they can enjoy it a little more without sacrificing your ambition. And I think the important thing is what you said. It's
0: about the different phases in life because it got easier. It got easier. It was at that stage that I couldn't have exactly what I wanted. But as he got older, it got easier to start achieving the kind of goals that I, I wanted to. You've spoken about... Not being able to say yes to everything, appreciating the need to slow down and appreciating the fact that you work in this way and that's okay. So tell me how you decide on what to prioritize or what do you let go of? What do you say yes
1: to and what do you say no to? What does that decision making process look like? That's really good. I wouldn't say I have a a hard framework for that, but I ask myself, do I want to do it? or do I feel like I should do it? Because I ain't got enough time to do things that I don't want to do, and I won't do them well. So do I actually want to do this? Does the idea excite me? Is it going to make me money? Now, that sounds hungry. Yes. It's not all about the money, but do you know what? That's why the podcast is getting pushed back a little bit, because I have some ideas that will generate revenue that I want to focus on first. So do I want to do it? Does it excite me? And is it going to bring me revenue? And so, yeah, not, not everything has to be a money earner, but when I'm prioritizing my time, I've started to become a lot more critical of activities, tasks, things like that, that actually don't need to be done and won't really have an impact and aren't going to bring anything to my bottom line. So they're probably the two things.
0: I love that. And I think I've heard you say that before. I'm sure it was you that I stole that from. So in my head, those are the kind of things that uh, helped me make a decision. And starting this podcast was difficult because it was a big investment. And there's no no guarantee that it's going to bring me any money. I actually had the idea for this podcast and then another revenue generating idea, assuming that went well. And I actually went with this one because I felt like I needed to focus on something that wasn't just about making me money, interestingly. Yeah. I needed to feel
1: creatively fulfilled. So that's what this is for me. And so it's asking, what do I get out of this? It doesn't always have to be a dollar thing. Fulfillment mm-hmm. is just as legitimate. Enjoyment, that kind of thing. Excitement, brilliant. And And that's when you can look at projects and clients and stuff like that. It's not all about how much money they bring in. There's lots of other reasons to say yes to opportunities. But they're two things I think of because I tend to want to do lots of things that don't actually bring in any money.
0: (laughs) When you think about the mistake that you chose, which was taking too long... What have you learned from this
1: and what do you want other people to learn from your experience? Well, I've I've really learned that I'll I'll get there when I'm ready. That my journey is my own, and it, that my journey is my own is a real mantra. I'm saying a lot and I have been saying for a long time, but I really I have to believe it. I have to believe it's okay that I'm I'm taking longer than it feels like everyone else is. I want other people to know I want other people to be aware of their own comfort zone and to push themselves out of their comfort zone regularly. Fear muscles are brilliant ones to be able to develop that process of going, this is uncomfortable for me, but I'm going to push through the discomfort because I know there are good things on the other side. I know it will be worth it. If you never get out of your comfort zone, you are just not growing. So I would love people to be aware of their comfort zone But to also give themselves permission to work in the way that they work and to listen to that and be aware of it and have acceptance that they might be a quick start, which is brilliant. And that means letting go of perfectionism to get it going. But you might be a slow burn like me. And it's just a different way of working. So push yourself, challenge yourself, but do it in a way that works for you and and to have acceptance of that. Thank you so much. I think so many people
0: are going to listen to this and just feel relieved by so much of what you've said and also just feel understood. So thank you. It's been amazing having you. Where can people find you if they want to stay connected?
1: My website is Copyright Matters. So that's my business name. My website is copyrightmatters.com And so I encourage people to go to my website. It's got my social media links on. I would love to have a conversation about anything that's landed for people. So Facebook and Instagram are my two big ones. But reach out to me. I would love to talk. All the things we've talked about today, I love talking about. So excellent questions.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me, Belinda. You, like I already said, you are a dream guest for me. You're on my wish list of guests from the very beginning. So I'm so excited that you're here. And thank you for taking the time to chat to me. I know you're super busy. I appreciate it.
1: Oh, I always make time for things like this. Thanks, Avan.
0: In a world where we're so used to celebrity entrepreneurs painting an unrealistic, unattainable and probably untrue picture of their perfect lives with their perfect funnels and their perfect Instagram grids and their perfect houses with their perfect kids, we need more Belinda Weavers, business owners who show us what the messy behind the scenes of running a business really looks like with real life with real kids, real laundry and real dishes all fighting for our attention. Belinda's experience is a great reminder that you need to give yourself grace because taking things slowly might be exactly what you need to build a successful and sustainable business that's right for you. As hard as it is, it's time to stop focusing on what everyone else is doing and start asking yourself, what do I want? And what am I willing or not willing to do in order to get there. Belinda's right, when you're building a business the journey is just as important as the destination and in the words of lifestyle designer Katie Lee, there is power in every day because how you live your every day is how you live your whole life. You're listening to Mistakes That Made Me I'm Iman Ismail. And if you love this episode, take a screenshot, post it on Instagram and tell everyone you know that this is the podcast to listen to. And tag me at ImanCopyCo so we can say hi and so I can share your post. You can find the links to everything I've mentioned today in the show notes. Next time on Mistakes That Made Me. I remember having the conversation with my husband. I said to him, I need to show up now. I need to let people know who I am not just for them but also for myself I need to be okay with who I am